the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show, coming to you from the 960 Patriot Broadcast Studio, brought to you by the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group, your trusted source for precious metals. Our three on Wednesdays, we are delighted to have, as we most usually do, Congressman John Shattuck, representing, formerly representing Arizona's old 4th Congressional District for 16 years, which uh, is the area of Central Phoenix, certainly from once we broadcast. He is now the head of Shattuck Associates. Uh, anyone who has a problem with government uh, might have a problem with government or did have a problem with government. He is there for you. Niche practice. <laughs> and uh, you were telling me um, you were doing CLE, uh, continuing legal education classes this morning. So our topic for this hour will be defensive non-mutual collateral estoppel. Go. <laughs> <laughs> I have my doubts about uh, uh, collateral non-mutual estoppel. Uh, So in one sense, it has two people, and in another sense, it doesn't. We're not really going to do this, John. We're not really going to subject the audience to abstruse civil procedure. I was I was I was talking yesterday. There's a lot of impeachment talk going on right now. They undertook the uh, beginnings of impeachment with Alejandro Mayorkas today. Um, there's probably going to be a contempt charge issued against Hunter Biden uh, for flouting the congressional subpoena uh, in Congress. But the Mayorkas thing is probably the more serious one. It's something you and I. Well, I don't want to say more serious, but it's it's certainly the. He's a member of the government. He's a member of the cabinet. He's a Secretary, uh, uh, United States Secretary, Homeland Security. And you and I have talked in the past about, you know, the way to get at this administration. One of the funny things about politics is you never know what it's going to be that gets you. We were, young David over here was reminding me yesterday was Nixon's 111th birthday. And I was thinking, you know, on the day that we're learning about Lloyd Austin. Yesterday, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin gone missing for three days, and no one seemed to care or know, uh, including the president, including, including the president, yeah, yeah including the president, national in. security, including his yep. deputy who had been given his, yeah, yeah, she didn't know, in. she was in Puerto Rico, um, and all of this was because he didn't want to talk about the fact that he was going in for surgery on prostate cancer. If he had said that, it would have probably not even been a story. I think that's right. And now it's all, all anyone t- – it's, it's usually the cover-up, not the crime, it's, it, if, if it, it's not a crime. But it's, it's usually the cover-up, not the underlying situation or offense. But with Mayorkas, it's right there on the table. And this is a snowball that is going to become an election issue, John. We talked a week or so ago about will foreign policy be an election issue like it was in 1980? Immigration is now getting to Democrats and getting at their throats, I think, a little bit. Your sense? Oh, I think it's definitely getting to them, but I think it's taken a very long time to get there. And I think they don't yet uh, 
have a perception. If, if you assume that uh, two-thirds of America, or maybe it's a little less than that, never watch Fox News, mm-hmm. uh, and then you look at how often all the other news media in the nation has covered this with video coverage of the masses uh, coming across, assembling to come across, coming through Mexico on the tops of trains, uh, you realize that this is a phenomenally undercovered story uh, and they've successfully kept it from the public. And so, yes, it's beginning to sink in, but I don't think the full impact uh, is is perceived by uh, anything but a fraction of the people in the country. Because I think the full impact, when you think about the numbers of people, for example, just the other day, who was it, the, a congressman from Pittsburgh, openly acknowledged and I think used the fact that uh, the number of people who have come across or were coming across that day equaled the population of, I think it was Pittsburgh. But uh, it, it is shocking. My, uh, you know, it's always easy, I, I never liked this when it happened to me. It's always easy to second guess the Congress and say, where are you doing this instead of doing that? I'm not happy with them doing two federal officials at once. I think they should be doing the president and the president only. I think the evidence against the president is massive. And the left kind of, I think it's relying on, was it Goebbels who said, if you tell a big enough lie, you can get away with it? they all say, quote unquote, there is no evidence of Joe Biden's involvement. And in fact, there's tons of evidence of Joe Biden's involvement. Uh, and the the left in the media, the left in elected politics have been saying now for his full tenure in the presidency that there is no evidence. And and people must believe that a lot of people, I think, think yeah, there's no evidence. This isn't him. This is just his son, which is false. I mean, don't get me wrong. I literally cannot watch Mayorkas. I think he was on Fox News two nights ago, and Shirley and I are watching it, and we both changed the channel. We just said, I can't watch this. He offends me so much because he lies literally all the time. And, you know, some some people are artful liars. And they hedge it close enough that you go, hmm, I wonder what's behind that. I, I should look that up or I should look into it if I care about it. His lies are just in your face. You, could, you, you, you just can't look at him and believe it. Uh, he, oh, he says stuff like, well, there is no crisis at the border. Uh, and the border, the border, we have control of the border. And those things are just so shockingly or radically out of touch uh, with what's really going on that uh, I, I certainly think that he deserves to be impeached. I just wish we either had already done it and finished it or we finished with the Biden impeachment. Because uh, one thing, lesson I think I did learn while I was in is it's really hard for the Congress to do something the people don't support. Uh, they actually and, and that's in some ways, that's a fantastic compliment to the system. But uh, we, for example, tried to push through Social Security reform, if you'll recall, during my tenure, during the Gingrich Revolution. And we couldn't sell it because we hadn't convinced the people first. And here, I think the evidence of Biden's criminal conduct, uh, of his betrayal of the country and putting money in his pocket, and the whole silliness of saying, well, 
unless you can trace the money that a foreign government paid to me personally, as opposed to my son or my wife or my brother or my sister, then you don't have a case uh, for bribery or uh, some other crime uh, is absurd. And yet uh, that's what he's been able to do because we haven't put enough heat on the media. So uh, I think he deserves to be impeached. And I'd to some degree, I wish we were just focused on each of the things he's done because serially they just keep adding up one thing after another, one lie by him after another, one fact after another. You know, who who in your listening audience has how many how many different corporations does he have out there or LLCs? Yeah, I don't know. But They're in yeah, the right. you know it's it's right. more than twenty right. for sure. How many people? You know, yeah. how many people have twenty some odd LLCs? None of them show any business. None of one of them shows well, any f- business. F- yeah. But money is bouncing around between them, all of them. And, and I don't think the American people understand that. And for emails. And for emails. How many people have that? I've heard of having a separate personal account. I've seen that. And that's not unusual. But the multiple layers of these accounts. You're right on this, John. And I want to come back to the Democrats and immigration in a second. But... I was talking with uh, our buddy Hugh Holman yesterday about how the media does play this game of defense for the Democrats because they kind of help establish this as a settled fact that there's no proof of wrongdoing. If they are forced to write the story, they will say for which there has been no proof or for which there is no proof. Right. Absolutely. Right. Because, well, why hasn't – isn't there – well, first of all, there's tons of evidence, but the reason is because these hearings haven't gone forward yet, and they haven't been brought into a court of law yet. But that would never be the language that they'd ever use again. Well, it's not the language they use against Donald Trump, let us well, say. Well, and the only reason you can even make that statement is because the media has declared that the evidence that right. is out there isn't evidence. And that's the point. They've declared that. They've they have declared. made that. Let me pick up on that when we come back, because it is this kind of self-perpetuating, self-referential cycle that creates the the theme of the story. John Shadding and I'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, coming to you from the 960 Patriot Broadcast Studio, brought to you by the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group, your trusted source for precious Metals. John Shattuck is my guest, Congressman Shattuck. We're talking about the way a narrative gets shaped and how the narrative has been shaped when it comes to Hunter Biden and Joe Biden, perhaps with the, whether they go forward with a, uh, a, um, a contempt charge against a contempt of Congress charge against him or uh, whether they go forward with impeachment um, against the president. You can't impeach Hunter. Um, John, you were, we were just before the break talking about the way the role the press plays and how they create this kind of self-perpetuating narrative of fact by themselves saying anytime an allegation or charge or piece of evidence is brought up for which there is no proof, which is their standard kind of language, or for which no evidence has been proven, or, or in some cases they'll just say for which there is no evidence. And they cite to themselves, as I was saying, it's self-referential. But you were just reminding me over the break how far they will go to do that. So, for example, it's worth remembering. It seems like forever ago it should not seem that way, though, that when this first came out, 
they went so far as a blanket institution, the media, they went so far as to say, with the aid and abetting of the intelligence community, that it looked like Russian misinformation. I mean, you were talking about this notion that the bigger the lie, the more likely it is to be believed. I, I, I have this line in my head from the great Gatsby, F. Scott Fitzgerald's great Gatsby. He was amazed at the elaborateness of the, the lie. <laughs> I mean, the idea that this was Russian misinformation, when we had, the FBI had had the computer, when um, we had total, uh, we, we had the view of the, 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 the pictures themselves, we had Hunter Biden not denying it, um, and not only that they would say that, that it looked like Russian misinformation or that it was dismissible as Russian misinformation. They deplatformed news organizations like the New York Post that tried to run with it, uh, fellow media did, against a, another media organization. And, John, if I may, people readily believed it. That's what bothered me so much. People were willing to accept that narrative when it was so obviously false. At least, is it to me, it was obviously false. I think it was facially obviously false. Oh, it it was obviously facially uh, false. Uh, and, and, And you have to wonder how people could believe it. But I think it's that in this world today, we just pick up snippets and there's no time to challenge the snippet. And if the media never does its job of challenging lies in in the news or misrepresentations in the news, if they don't do that, then nobody picks the other side of the story. It's like uh, he had uh, a meeting with one of uh, his son's associates, a, a Russian or a Chinese. I don't know how long the meeting went on, two or three hours or, or maybe more. And... Uh, Afterwards, the media is talking about it, and there was no testimony as to what they actually said to each other. But a Democrat was asked, well, you know, what do you make of this, of him spending all He says he had no involvement in his son's business, but he went to dinner with them for four hours. Uh, what do you make of that? What do you think they were talking about? And the guy says, the weather. I mean, I, wouldn't, I would think that if I ever said something that stupid, my constituents would laugh me out of office and say, Get a grip if you can't draw some inference that uh, Joe Biden was involved to some degree in Hunter Biden's scams from a four hour meeting. And then you see them in pictures together and you hear there were other meetings and then you see there were phone calls and then you hear the text of the phone call that uh, where Hunter places it and says, my dad's sitting next to me and we're both. You have an hour to comply or whatever. Because you haven't paid us. I mean. It is as though each separate item of evidence that a jury, whether it was an impeachment jury or a court jury, would be instructed by the judge, you have to evaluate all the evidence. Uh, They would have to look at that. But in the media, with the media either A, not covering it, or universally saying that is not evidence, um, there are no inferences drawn and, and there's no case made, which is why uh, I think Biden's getting away with it. I, there was a point in time when I think the Democrats had to get him out of office and they were going to use that. And I still think that's possible. Uh, it, it, the evidence is, in fact, so overwhelming that the Biden family writ large made millions, maybe tens of millions 
off of Hunter's scams uh, of other countries. I mean, Joe himself gets on stage and, and says, yeah, I did it. I got this prosecutor fired because he was going after my son's employer. Now, he may not have used the words my son's employer, but it was he, he admitted going after the prosecutor. And it's a fact the prosecutor was going after his son's employer. And it's a fact that he literally said he bribed them to fire the prosecutor. They were not getting money unless that action were taken. That's the definition of a bribe. And he bribed them with not his money. He bribed them with our money. That's not evidence? Come on. Donald Uh, Trump spoke to the president of Ukraine, Zelensky, over far less and got impeached for it. John, let me go philosophical with you for a second, which I love doing um, with you. When people lament the divisiveness in this country or how our leadership, our politicians have created such divisions in this country, I almost want to think of what Edward Murrow did in um, quoting Shakespeare when he said, the problem is not really in our stars, but in ourselves. And I and I almost want to say it's it's. Never, while it's never good politics to blame the people, you and I aren't in politics anymore, so we can if we want to. Um, and I want to because they seem to want to believe these lies. I spent a lot of time talking about lies that we just accept and move and go with and how we slowly kind of lose our country as we do so. Solzhenitsyn warned not to live by lies. Every ex-communist talked about the lies of the system, which is what kept it afloat. We seem to want to accept these lies because you're absolutely right. There's no world in which people don't see this as actually going on. You could do this on any number of issues. The riots were mostly peaceful. We're watching this as if Baghdad Bob is telling us the United States forces are not, you know, (laughs) taking down all the buildings around him. And all these MSNBC, CNN, Baghdad Bob say, well, this is a mostly peaceful protest with the fires burning in the back and the 14,000 people being arrested and the police precincts being taken over and 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 uh, federal judiciary buildings being firebombed people just believe it or they don't believe it but they seem to want to for a partisan purpose for a determined outcome if you will here you need a new pen no no okay my 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 point is this it's hard to blame the politicians when the facts are there and they are so elaborately detailed and so obviously so so the words we were using earlier, facially obvious, they want to believe them. They want to accept these lies. Let me take a commercial break and have you wax on that when we okay. come back. I'd love to. John Shattig is my guest. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Congressman John Shattig, my guest. He, the head of Shattig Associates based here in town. So, John, I, I'm just less want to blame the political leaders, some degree blame the media, but I'm getting to the point where the facts are so damn obvious, pardon my French, that I don't think it's in anything outside of ourselves, the willingness to want to believe these lies, or at least the cognitive dissonance where we accept a lie so long as it suits our political, uh, ideological, uh, determined outcome. Um, I understand. Maybe I'm wrong. You tell me. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I understand where you're coming from, and I understand the case that can be made. I have to say I disagree, Mm -hmm. and here's why I disagree. Um, You can't, in my opinion, expect of the body politic that they have the time to focus on politics that the subset of us who do it all the time do. 
And and I think you have to hold them to a slightly different standard. If the leadership tolerates uh, lies, then I think it's not surprising that the people tolerate lies. I would argue, kind of taking your point, first of all, I would argue that, yes, there is a degree to which average citizens today will accept lies or deceit and deception by politicians much more easily than they did in the past. I would attribute that to the breakdown of society and to the lack of a belief in the society at large in a being, you know, a greater being, uh, some uh, some kind of God, truth, larger right. truth. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I think that has, in fact, uh, led to people being more just me focused. You know, what am I going to get out of this? Mm-hmm. But I really think and your audience or some in it who want to challenge me will say this is ridiculous and naive. I believe we are in an era where identity politics has changed the nation. Um, and while I can't prove what I'm about to say in a definitive way with evidence, I challenge anybody that disagrees with me to see if they can prove the opposite. And what it is, is we, the politicians and the media have worked extremely hard to focus the American people on identity politics. I'm this identity. You're that identity. Because we're different, we have to disagree. If you move ahead, I must be moving backwards. And so that consumes us. And 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 the politicians and the media pound away at it every day. Uh, um, racial discrimination. The speech that Biden gave uh, last week, mm-hmm. just or earlier this week, just made you sick because mm-hmm. of what he alleged. I would say contrast that with, and here's where I'll sound like a, a naive you know, do-gooder, contrast that with the unity that existed in America either before World War II or after World mm-hmm. War II. And we talk about that. I think you could almost have this concept of, Every time the left talks about identity politics or tries to use identity politics to advance some constituency that will elect them, we ought to be talking about, look, what this nation needs is unity politics. We need, we need to be each be thinking about each other and how we can all collectively do better. I argue that back when, you know, I've said this before, back when we talked about a chicken in every pot and a, and a car in every driveway, uh, the reaction to the neighbor coming home in a new car wasn't, eh, how come he can afford a new car and I can't? I think the reaction generally was, wow, the economy must be doing well. Or what do I have to do to get there? Well, what can I? Yeah. You know, how do he, I improve my he life? He works for Firestone Tire. They must be doing well. He just bought a car. I work for uh, Motorola. I better go in tomorrow and work harder at my job so that Motorola can move up, just like Firestone apparently did, and I'll get a raise. And instead, uh, we have this, well, uh, it, both of us work for evil corporations, and that's their identity. Uh, you know, uh, we're against the evil corporations, and we're for the little people. But then they divide the little people. Oh, well, if you're Italian, you're doing well because of the mafia. If I'm uh, English, you know, I'm falling behind because... Uh, we don't have a network like that. Right. So I, uh, you know. All right. Let me pick up on that. You've 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 broached something I love, and I don't think I've talked about it in at least two years. 
I like your use of the of the Firestone Company. I love the Firestone <laughs> Company. I love that's a great company. When I was a it's kid a growing up, story. we bought we we bought Firestone tires yeah. all the time. Yeah, I love it. I wear them out too fast in my pickup, and <laughs> you go see. I don't remember the name of the guy. The Firestone store was on Central Avenue. Oh, that's great. Uh, south of Osborne and north of Thomas. There's one on Thomas now, I think. Yeah. All right, we'll be right back. Okay, that's enough of that song. We need to make room. We can we can lose that one. Muskogee has proven its value to us. Um, welcome back. Um, Tom Coburn. Jo- huh? Tom Coburn. Yeah. Muskogee, that's Oklahoma. Right. That's right. That's right. Dr. Coburn. Dr. He, Tom Coburn. He slipped this surly. He did. Yeah, we loved him. Answer. Real good guy. Did he enter Congress with you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he and I became best friends. I taught him law, and he taught me medicine. He's a good guy. Serious. Very serious. uh, Yeah. Christian. Christian. Yeah. And proud of it, but not not shirt sleeve Christian. Not shove it down. I I had a dinner with him. Um, Should I tell this story? Sure, I'll tell this. (laughs) No. Yes, I had a dinner with someone I was working for in D.C. A name the audience would know, of course, and. we had not met him personally, and we we were, we took him to dinner to get to know him a little better. And you know, I was staff, so I was briefing my boss about. I said, "No, he's a very serious Christian, so maybe we don't order anything to drink, just because you know." And um, it was at uh, what's that steakhouse on Connecticut um, on the second floor on uh, on Connecticut oh, yeah. Avenue on the second I know floor. It. I know it, but I, just I don't think there the used to be one over here in the Esplanade. Um, anyway. It was at Morton's. It was Morton's. Morton's. Yeah. And uh, and we sit down, and the waitress comes, and she says, can I offer you gentlemen anything to drink? First thing, right off the bat, he ordered a bourbon. Oh, yeah. And my boss looks at me. <laughs> Good staff work, you know? Good st- anyway. Tom drank for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um John, okay. Wait, if we're gonna yeah. leave, before we leave Coburn, yeah, yeah. Coburn and I became such good friends in our first term where I was on the uh, – top of the cannon building where you can't see anything you yeah. the offices only look inward and looking inward is like looking at the Shawshank Redemption I mean it's just mm-hmm. it's prison like on the inside or was then I think it still is in any event we became such good friends that we agreed in our second term we would get offices as close to each other as we could and we did yeah we were on the third floor and right across the hall from each other and I stole from him the kid I made the first director of the uh, what was it? RSC? something, yeah, the Republican Study Committee. Yeah, yep. I, I think I know that kid. Do I? Yeah, he's at the Does U.S. He work Chamber. With Mike Pence or someone else? I'm thinking of the guy who works for Pence. I can't think. There of are him. several guys that work for yeah, Pence. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who okay. also worked at the Republican yeah, Study yeah, Committee. Yeah, 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 yeah. for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good guy. Can't remember his name. All right, John. Um, we were talking about this identity politics thing that kind of tends to turn into this meism or iism, uh, as opposed. And it dawns on me you were contrasting. You know, this is a post World War II phenomenon. It sure is. The I, I go off on on the issue of of this new locution of my truth. That springs from, um, I, I think, the 70s, the culture of narcissism, the me decade that Tom Wolfe wrote about. And it's just now on such ster- steroids that you know, 
presidents and vice presidents use that locution, my truth. The president of Harvard uses it, <laughs> former president. Um, it's not the truth. But anyway, it's the personal pronoun. It's your personal essence is more important than anything else. That's not the way the country was designed. It was founded on we who hold these truths, we, which turned into a constitution which was we, the people, the in people. order to form a more perfect union. And the only American iconography I can think of that even uses the personal pronoun is the Pledge of Allegiance, I pledge. But it's immediately about turning over your I-ness, your oneness, your individuality. You're pledging allegiance to a the nation. republic for which yep. it stands. There is no I in this place. There is no me in this place. It's a we thing. And that is, I think, the descriptor of the breakdown since World War II. Uh, the notion we are all in this together what, during COVID, what a lie. That lasted about 10 seconds. Absolutely. And, and you know, nobody thinks about it anymore or, or looks at the world from a, the standpoint of we— Americans believe this or agree on this or we Americans want this because somebody instantaneously tears it down, sees that, well, wait a minute, I'm not going to come out as the top dog in that. And I'm only for things that benefit me the most. And that's not what the nation was founded on. Uh, I think that's a, a, a good point that I hadn't thought about it, but it but it fits with my contempt for identity politics because identity politics is Focus on you and, quite frankly, be selfish about you or your tight-knit little group or your subset uh, of society. And if it is, if anybody's doing better than you are, then the country must be bad. Uh, if anybody gets ahead when you don't, then the country must be bad and it must be evil. And somebody's mistreating you. It's not that they worked harder. It's that, oh, the system's rigged and it's rigged against me. So I have a grievance. And we have a nation of people with grievances instead of a nation, you know, united behind its joint or, or shared principles and beliefs. Yes. And that's what identity politics that you've been talking about has done to us in large part. Uh, Paul Teller was the guy I was thinking of. I don't know if you remember him. I remember him well. I've got his number. Oh, OK. In my phone. Tell my, him I said hi. My phone. Uh, he, he was chief of staff at RFC yep. under you, I think, at yep. one point. Yeah. Good guy. Um, it's been years. Okay, so the yes, so this notion. The other guy yeah. that I stole was Neil Bradley. Oh, Neil Bradley. Okay, yeah, yeah. Very yeah. smart. Good guy. teams. Good teams. Do we have the same uh, level of greatness in Congress now? I honestly, I don't know. Yeah, I wish I did. I'm I'm impressed with some of the members. Yeah. I'm impressed with the demeanor of Mike Johnson. I know yep. he's under a little bit of fire right now, but I got to tell you, it's a it's a demeanor that wears very nicely. And, and you know, okay, so we'll debate the, econ the 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 budget thing, but on on every issue that Republicans care about, he seemed or conservatives, I should say, he more than checks the box in a in a nice way, in a way that feels like a loose fitting garment. You know, he does. There's no doubt about it. He has the way to handle things. I, it could be linked to his deep Christianity, yeah. but he handles it well. I was I was thrilled with McCarthy's handling of the media compared to Gingrich's. I'm yes, a huge of fan of Newt sure, Gingrich. Sure. The guy's a genius, but he didn't he, he couldn't restrain himself 
from using his wit and his intellect to trash the media. And of course, you know, if you're in the if you're in the business, if you're in politics, trashing the media is not a good idea. You have to say. No, that's right. I mean, there is something about and we were talking about Nixon earlier on his birthday there. I mean, Reagan, more conservative, but more charming. Oh. And, more, and and they couldn't do to him what they did to Nixon because of Nixon's demeanor. Yeah. I think it was his demeanor. And charming is so vastly more important. They yeah. they taught me. I don't remember whether it was uh, at home or at Camelback or someplace that Never pick a fight with somebody that buys ink by the barrel. Apparently, yeah. Isn't any better advice? Well, yes. (laughs) Except I think the time for that may have changed. Absolutely. We'll examine that when we come right back. Portions of this show brought to you by our good friends at Y-Refi. They have an investment that invests you with a lot of flexibility, power, and control. You can turn your income on or off. You can compound it. Whatever you like, there are absolutely no fees. There is no attack on principle. If you ever need your money back, of course, you get a monthly statement with no surprises. And in this secure collateralized portfolio from YWFI, you can earn up to a 10.25% fixed rate of return. That's right, a 10.25% fixed rate of return. And it's not correlated to the stock market or the Federal Reserve. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com. Or give them a call at 888-Y-REFI-24, 888-Y-REFI-24. John, I didn't think about this until you just said it, that old line, maybe back to Mark Twain, don't don't pick with any a fight with anyone who buys ink by the barrel. And, and one of the things conservatives figured out is we needed our own barrels of ink. We needed our own networks. Roger Ailes figured this out, Absolutely. that there's another half and, of the country. And, and, and that's what makes we, them so, Yeah, go ahead. Who knows where we'd be if that hadn't that, That's changed. right. That's right. If we didn't have talk radio and Fox News and... And now, perhaps even one might say certain, certain, uh, certain social media outlets, and even but, a few papers, and a few, but few, yeah, well, <laughs> fewer than we use. But it allows us to have these fights, um, or at least push back. And I think that's what has made the left and the liberals so mad: is that we are now on par with them, at least in the ability to communicate publicly. And that's what perhaps brought them to the inability to debate, the inability to ha- believe in open debate, and that rather turns them into the rush to epithets, racists, fascists, that sort of thing. They they never used to have to debate. Now they do, and they won't. So they shut us down with epithets. Just a theory. I don't know. Maybe I'm all wet. Well, they certainly do shut us down with epithets, and they don't attempt to use reason or logic to support their positions. Their strategy flat out is uh, humiliate, uh, uh, pejoratize, if that's a word, just do whatever they have to do to make us look bad. uh, And that way that will discredit our arguments, even if our arguments on the merits are, are better. Uh, how you deliver the message is always at least as important, if not much more important than the message itself. And that's one of the problems with uh, some conservatives is they think the message in and of itself yeah, is it enough for itself. Uh, Need a little bit more. Gore had a sense of humor, he, but it, it was not Reagan's sense of humor. And, yeah. you know, I think they believed in the same thing and one became hugely popular. Uh, 
John Shattuck, thank you, sir. Young David, Mr. Bill, Teresa, thank you all. Audience, thank you. Until tomorrow, on behalf of y'all, I am Seth Leibson. God bless and class dismissed. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.